Welcome to the Ableton and Music Habits Podcast, Episode 20. Welcome to the Ableton and Music Habits Podcast, actionable music production tips to take your music to the next level. And now, your host, Jason Timothy. What we're going to cover today is music making does not need to be complicated. So let's get into this. These are some of the things that, um, these are some of the things that you need to know. All right. And it's not as much as you would think, really. All right. Now, obviously, there's certain things within your style of music as well that you're going to need to you know, get your head around. But what I'm going to talk about here is, or at least what I'm going to cover here, is going to pretty much take care of, you know, 95% of the problems. So first and foremost, you want to remember that no matter what new tool comes out, what new version of Ableton or whatever DAW you happen to be using, no matter what what you're using, 80% of music production is still simply cut, copy, paste, duplicate, and delete. Those are the things you're gonna use most. All the other stuff matters less than these basics. Those are just five simple basics. Cut, copy, paste, duplicate, delete. Understand how to use those because you're going to use those more than anything. And with Ableton, um, I don't know if you know this, but you can you can copy and duplicate whole sections of a song. So if you've got a section of a song, right, you can highlight a section just on one clip, right, and hit Command-L or Control-L if you're using a PC. Now that this is highlighted, you can, instead of just doing like a Command-X, let's say, to delete, right, a section or something like that, you can do command shift X and it will get rid of that section. If I hit command shift, once again, use control if you're using a PC, but command shift and D, it'll duplicate. And so even if you had 50 tracks, it would duplicate everything. So that's uh, really easy there, all right? So yeah, cut, copy, paste, duplicate, delete. And you can do that with whole song section or you can do it with individual you know, clips and what have you, all right? All the other stuff is going to come later. And it, the thing is, you only want to learn what you need to to get to the next place in your song. That's the best way to learn. You don't want to like start off and just like dive in. It's kind of like you don't get an encyclopedia and decide that you're going to just read from A to Z and then hope that you retain all that information so that when you need it, it's there. It's, it doesn't work that way, right? So what you want is you want to go, oh, I'm trying to figure out how to do this specific thing. You go and you figure that specific thing out, and then you apply it immediately, and that's going to help you remember it better. You may need to review, um, you know, a couple times, but putting it to use right away is great. And then you try to push yourself forward without help for as far as you can go. So try to get a little outside your comfort zone, and then when you need that extra boost of information, you can go after just that one thing. And in most cases, what I would do is set a timer for 15 minutes so you don't get lost. So you give yourself 15 minutes to figure out the solution and whatever comes in 15 minutes, you're done. That's it. You're, you're done with learning that thing and you're getting back into your song and pushing it to the next place. It keeps you from wasting time. So the, the next thing that you need to know are the four essential effects. That's a need to know. Doesn't have to be super complicated, but you need to know these. And that's EQ, compression, reverb, and delay. Those are the four you need to t- teach yourself on because those are the four that are gonna be used in probably every song you do. Uh, there may be a case where you don't use delay. Um, I don't, I, 
I don't think I've ever had a song where I didn't use some sort of delay, but it's possible that you just use reverb and you don't use um, delay. But you're always gonna use EQ and compression and, uh, and reverb for sure, but it's really good to know delay because um, many, many effects that happen, like flanger and chorus and those sort of things, are actually just different types of delay happening, right? So understanding how to do this and also understanding like with EQ, you need reductive lessons. You need to understand what to remove from your EQ, not what to boost. Um, if you know nothing about EQ, then I would say don't boost, just remove. Uh, and you're gonna get a lot further because what's gonna happen is if you start boosting and you don't know what you're doing, then you're you're gonna end up wanting to boost that, that on most of your instruments. And it's gonna start making your whole mix sound tinny or over bassy or whatever it is, right? And another thing with EQ is you should probably, well, definitely you should only have one thing in like the, you know, below 100 Hertz range. There should only be one part that's going below that range. Well, that, okay, that's not 100% true. Let's say your kick and your bass, right? And maybe very periodic, but you don't want anything that's, that's constant. You know, you want one thing at a time, okay? So uh, compression, you just want to learn how to listen to what the compression's doing. And you might, you know, want to watch some videos. I actually have some videos on how to get your compression right every time. So I'm not going to get directly into all this because I want to just cover the, the overview, all right? Reverb, once again, reverb is a, a form of delay as well. You know, it's just very, very short delays. So, um, and reverb can either smooth things up out so they don't sound so harsh or they add atmosphere. You know, you, your song needs to have some sort of atmosphere. Uh, if everything's super clean, then it lacks that atmosphere. It sounds very two-dimensional. So, everyone get that so far? Those four things, pretty easy stuff, right? Um, and that's what I'm trying to do here is just make this easy. Sound design doesn't need to be uh, very complicated either. And basically there's a couple things that you need to know, right? So things that you need to know, um, everything you need to know you can figure out here in Operator actually. Uh, so the first thing is your attack, decay, release, and sustain. Attack is, you know, how long it takes to go from no volume up to the, the loudest volume, right? It's really simple, all right? Let's not overcomplicate this. All right, so look, slow attack. Slower attack. Right? That's attack. Fast attack. Got it? Simple. Now, decay and sustain are kind of connected. Just so you get this, let's do a two-second decay, right? So it's gonna be fast and it's gonna just fall off. Got it? That's decay. Now sustain is how loud the part is, the sound is, while after the it's done decaying. So it doesn't have to decay to silence, it can de decay to a slightly lower volume or it doesn't have to decay to a, a a lower volume at all. It can just be full volume here. But sometimes it's a little snappier. See how it's a little bit pluckier? And then it will hold this note as long as I hold the note down, right? So if you have a sustain here, so there's just kind of this quick jump that makes kind of a little click. In fact, let me um, 
I'll use a saw wave, something that has more harmonics. And we'll all talk about that in just a sec. So there's a little snappiness here. See, that snappy beginning, and then it just remains here. Got it. And then your release is how long it takes after you let go of the key. So if it's really short, the second I let go, it's off. But if I have like a long decay, let's say three seconds, when I let go, it'll start fading out over three seconds. Got it? So standing that is uh, really important, right? Because if you don't understand your decay release and sustain, then you're not really understanding anything about creating sounds, all right? Um, once again, this isn't a, this is an overview. This is what you need to kind of uh, do your homework on. It's not necessarily me going in and teaching you all the details. I do definitely get into this with my producer's playground and, and other, um, other training that I offer, you know, in much more depth. And by the way, if you're interested in that, you can actually join uh, for seven days for one dollar. I'll tell you a little bit more about that later. Um, I don't want to get into any sales pitch, but if you feel called to uh, take your training to the next level, uh, that will be an option. Okay, but the next thing you need to understand is, now understand the attack, decay, release, and sustain, you have to understand different types of forms. And the big one is a sine wave. And as you can see, it's going up and down. This is the smoothest of all the sound waves. All right? Now, as we add harmonics, we create different waveforms. So just remember that sine wave is, is the most basic form, and sine wave plus harmonics creates other types of waveforms. And there's many different types, uh, but the basics are sine wave, and then we go to the triangle wave, it adds some harmonics. So as you can hear, the sound will get sharper from sine wave, then triangle wave, then a square wave, Here, that's sharper, and then a saw wave. So as you're listening to sounds, you can listen, you don't need to necessarily know specifically what sort of wave form you're hearing, but what you can think about is, you know, is this a sharper sound or is this a smoother sound? A smoother sound is gonna lean more towards a triangle or a sine wave. A sharper sound is gonna lean more towards a square wave and a saw wave, all right? And there's many other types of waveforms. So for example, check this out. If we, if we just have a sine wave here, I can add harmonics here. And as you're listening to this, you're probably hearing other notes and they're just harmonizing notes. Sometimes they're not harmonizing notes as well. So a waveform is, once again, the basic sine wave plus harmonics. And as we go up, we got higher frequency sounds. I don't want to get too far into this. I just wanted to give you the concept here. Does that make sense, guys? Understanding the combination of this and then the four basic EQs, well, I mean the four basic effects, EQ, compression, uh, delay and reverb, 
And you're going to really be able to start breaking down what you're hearing in other songs and understanding at least the basics of how those sounds might have been created. Now, obviously, it gets more complicated because you can add more, more waves. So, for example, we can have a sine wave here, and then we can add, let's say, a square wave. And we can mix this in. And now what, what you're noticing is that this sound here and this sound here can both be heard separately even though they're playing together. So you still have the sine wave and the square wave. So sometimes if you hear kind of like a smooth bottom end, you can go, oh, that's probably a sine wave layered with some other sound, right? Sine wave is pretty typical of a layer if you're gonna be layering sound. So, you know, if you hear something that's got kind of a nice warm bottom end, oftentimes it's a sine wave layered with another sort of wave, okay? And then you have, I'm not gonna dive deep into this, but you have what's called FM synthesis. And FM synthesis is basically, once this sound goes in and gets oscillated by this waveform, it's no longer the same sound, okay? So if we start here, once again, with a sine wave, and this here is a square wave, right, with the harmonics. As I mix this in, it's gonna be neither the, the square wave or the sine wave. It's going to be a sine wave that's being modulated. Think about like a guitar uh, running through a distortion pedal. It, when the distortion pedal's off and you play into an amp, you're hearing this clean sound. When you turn on the distortion pedal, everything, that whole clean sound is going through the distortion, so there's no longer a clean, clean sound layer. That's kind of how uh, FM synthesis works. So if I turn up this operator here, or this oscillator, you'll hear the sound change. So by using FM synthesis, you can actually kind of brighten a sound by modulating one sound with another sound, all right? So uh, that's just a different form, but understanding this is the basic behind you being able to create interesting sounds on your own and also kind of reverse engineer. What, what does a waveform sounds lo sound like? And is it layered, right? Is it layered with, with the sine wave? Does it have a warmth on the bottom, right? A square wave kind of gives more of a hollow sound where a, a saw wave gives, um, a little bit more of a full sound. Um, what I would do though, honestly, is just experiment with the operator instrument. Start with a sine wave, right? And first maybe start with 32, just less to deal with. And just listen to how each harmonic affects the fundamental harmonic. And you'll start getting an idea about even and odd harmonics, all right? Hopefully that'll help. All right, so, uh, so that's, that's waveforms. Just remember, it goes soft to sharp. So you've got the softest, which is sine wave, the second softest, is, or the next softest, which is the triangle wave, then more harmonics with a square wave, and the most harmonics with a saw wave, okay? Well, actually a noise, noise wave would kind of give you all of that. So if you have a noise wave, obviously white noise is gonna give you the most harmonics. All right? And sometimes you can hear that at the top of a sound. So sometimes you have 
uh, a sound that is, let's just say a square wave or something, right? And so I'm just gonna turn this up, this square wave. And sometimes you might hear some, some noise at the top. Right? Sometimes you might hear just a little bit of white noise here. If we change the decay, then we just have this like really quick, it's just clicky. Almost sounds like a hi-hat or something, right? Which you can make a hi-hat, you know, with white noise. But you put these together and you can get a um, kind of a sharper sound, you know, just with more harmonics. Got it? So yeah, white noise uh, will definitely play into this as well. All right, so next thing is in making music making less complicated, you need to improve your listening skills. Uh, this is probably one of the most important things that you can do is improve your listening skills. Uh, everything else is going to, um, I just figured I'd come back here on, on screen. Everything that you do is gonna depend on how well you can listen because everything that, that you're going to create is gonna come from um, something that inspired you, you know? a sound that inspired you, even if it ends up different, you're inspired by it by some sort of thing, right? So by understanding what you're listening to and being able to break down complex things into more fundamentals, you're gonna be able to recreate those sounds and understand what those sounds are, right? Um, so for example, if you are wanting to make a trance song, right? The best thing you can do is listen to the songs that you like in that style. Listen to like 10 different songs or listen to, uh, go, to go to SoundCloud and listen to a whole mix, right? What you wanna do, I, I would start with one song though, but eventually what you wanna do is you wanna find out what types of sounds each of these songs has in common throughout a mix, right? When you find the commonalities, then you start really, um, you start really understanding. Hey, Greg, uh, you're asking about tips on wavetable. Uh, I don't think I'm going to go into wavetable too much. I might dive into it after this, answer some of your questions. But wavetable, uh, I have a whole training on that. Wavetable is one of the things that unlocks immediately when you uh, take the one dollar uh, trial of the producer's playground. I have a whole course just on wavetable, and I have, um, I think, like ten other full courses, some courses are, you know, 15 videos. I've got some courses that are like, like 60 videos in one course. So there's a lot of, a lot of stuff in there. But if you wanted to kind of dive deeper into the wavetable synth, uh, that's what I would recommend. The one thing I will say about wavetable is simply that everything can become a wavetable. If I come to, let's, let me just go into samples. What wave, a wavetable is, is it just steals like a little piece of a waveform, it can be from any sound, and have it start by it's just playing like this part, and then it starts moving to this part and this part, so that the the sound starts to morph as it moves through the waveform. You know what I mean? Really, really cool stuff. But this is this is literally playing the sound from that that kick drum. So yeah, improving your your listening skills is super important. Being able to kind of break down what you're hearing, and 
Another thing, once again, this is something that you can write down, but let's say you're hearing like a bass sound and you're trying to recreate it. I think a, a, the best approach that you can take is to break sounds down by what's going on in the lower frequency and can I recreate that? What's going on in the middle frequencies and can I recreate that? And what's going on in the upper frequencies? So by doing that, you can layer three sounds together to recreate this one complex sound. So you don't need to try to make one perfect sound. You just, you know, even like when you're going for like a kick drum or something like that, uh, when you hear a specific sound, if you think about things low, mid and high, then let's say you're like, okay, there's a, a really smooth bottom end and it's kind of long. Um, so it's got this kind of longer release or decay, if you will. And the middle part is pun punchy and it kind of sounds like wood, so it's not too sharp, you know, that sort of thing, so we're gonna look for that sort of sound. And then the upper frequency, there's kind of like a metallic click at the top, all right? So if we were able to find a sample for the bottom, the mid, and the upper frequencies, and then we could EQ accordingly, so we could remove some of the high frequency content of the lower kick drum sound, and we can remove the lows from the, the, the kick drum that has kind of more of the punch and the wooden sound. And then the, the click on top, we can remove lots of the, the lows and the mids and just retain that. We sandwich those things together and we got one strong kick, right? So by listening and understanding the details and being able to, to define those details, then breaking it down by low, mid, and high, you're gonna get much, much further and have a lot more confidence. And you'll be able to recreate stuff simply by using like operator or what have you. And you know, don't be afraid to use samples as well, you know, to get the sounds that you're going for. You know, you don't need to create every single thing. There's loads and loads of great samples. Um, if you're not on it yet and you use samples or loops or what have you, um, I highly recommend, uh, and I don't get anything out of this, but I highly recommend you use uh, splice.com. It's $7.99 and you can pick from like a million different uh, samples the specific one. You don't have to like buy a whole sample pack. You can literally choose one snare from this sample pack and one hi-hat from this other pack, what have you. Uh, and you can, um, you get like a hundred a month or something of samples. Some, I, I think some samples might take two credits instead of one credit or something like that. But basically, you know, you, you get quite a few sounds. I like to get like background atmospheres and all kinds of stuff, you know, of course, drum sounds and stuff like that as well. So um, yeah, don't, don't worry so much about sound design. You know, you can grab samples if you're not confident yet in, uh, in creating sounds from scratch, right? As you start getting into sound design, then you can start figuring out the personalities of the different synths that you have. Um, and those personalities will better able be able to accommodate a sound that you're going for. You know, a Moog certainly has its own characteristic, right? Which means that if you play a saw wave on a Moog, it's gonna sound different than playing a saw wave on, let's say, a Roland synth. Because the waveforms are slightly different, even though they both are basically the same thing. Hope that makes sense. Once again, improve your listening skills. What I would do is I would sit down with a pen and paper, listen to a song like 10 different times. And every time as you're listening, don't go through and define when you're hearing these sounds. You're not wor worried so much about the arrangement. What you're worried about is all the separate sounds that, that are put together to make this, this uh, overall song. What are you hearing on the high end? Is there a noisy sound? Is there something going on in the background? Is there a, a pad really, really low that you barely hear? Is there a bending sound? You know, what, what's going on? Um, and 
that is going to much better assist on you understanding what you're listening to so that you can recreate some of these ideas. And after you get to recreating, you're never gonna get exact, exact anyway, but you'll start building your own confidence for the types of sounds, and then you can you know, really start adding your, your own personality to uh, creating your songs. Another thing that I recommend when you're producing is once we get the listening skill up to par, then we can use a reference track. And someone had mentioned uh, issues with arrangement, right? Well, if we use a reference track, what's great is we can see where the breaks are in the song just by the changes in the waveform. And with our song, it, we could start off with a loop, let's say, and just stretch that sucker out for five minutes or however long your reference track is. And every time you see a little kind of break in the song, you could just remove your kick drums for now. Right, you can bring them back in later on, but at least you wanna know where these breaks are. And once you do that, now you've got like five or six different sections to your song. So even though it's playing the same loop, you're starting to get some structure and your brain's starting to see it as, as a song. And you'll know that, well, before this break, this is gonna happen, and after this break, something new needs to happen. And maybe after this next break, I need to remove some stuff and kind of strip the song down. And maybe after that break, we bring it back in. So you kind of are knowing what needs to happen from moment to moment, right? just gives you much better intuition on what to do. And once again, how I showed you, you can duplicate or cut uh, parts of your song in length. You can extend breaks or shorten breaks and really personalize it, but start off with another song and that'll, that'll take something that would normally take you days to try to sort out. You can uh, accomplish that in like a half hour. You know what I mean? Now, here's a really important thing about using a reference track. You're not going for volume with your own song. In fact, you don't want your volume to ever really hit beyond like minus four or, or minus three dB. That should be the loudest thing, right? So you're not really going for volume. Do not put any, don't try to master your track. Don't try to put compression or any sort of thing on your master track, trying to get it to sound squeezed. Fuck all that, I'm telling you. I promise you, your mixes will sound better if you don't use those things as a crutch. So with that, your reference track, since it's mastered already, there's no way that you're gonna get that sort of perfect sound. So what you want to do is lower that track down like by 15 dB. So it's quite, you want it to actually be a little bit quieter than your track is. That way you're not so worried about your, uh, your volume level. What you're worried about more is the sound and the content of your uh, reference track in, in relationship to your own song. And it's not about copying, it's just about tone. And it's about, I mean, you could certainly say, oh, I really like this rhythm. I'll, I'm gonna borrow kind of that hi-hat rhythm, that's pretty cool. Um, and when you do that, you can actually borrow from more than just your one reference track. Sometimes I'll listen to other tracks just to hear what they're doing. And I'll try to think, well, what's this doing that my song's not doing? What What is giving me more interest? And I might just hear like a little percussion that's happening here and here, you know, just these couple things. And I'm like, hmm, interesting. I think I'm gonna add that timing of percussion to my own song. And that way you're you're, building and pulling from other ideas, but you're still making your own song, all right? So here's another thing is, if you don't, if you have a problem staying focused, the reason that you're not staying focused is because you're not setting a time limit to when you want to accomplish something. So you'll work on your song, and then you might check out a video, and then you'll work on your song, and then you might get distracted, you might go make dinner, you might, whatever it is, you know, get a snack much better to set a timer for like 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and just be conscious of that. When that 20 minutes is up, 
then you can go do the other thing, you know, check your Facebook or whatever the hell you're going to do. But for those 20 minutes, you want to stay really, really focused on the task. And you don't want to just be listening to your song on loop. That's not going to help you at all. You want to be using those 20 minutes to move your song from this place to this place. You can listen to a loop while you're adding some stuff, you know, and that sort of thing. But don't just sit back and be kind of non-reactive or non-productive with what you are doing with your song, right? So setting a timer can be helpful. And then after you take a quick break or whatever, you might even want to take set a timer for the, the amount of time you're going to spend on your break, like maybe just 10 minutes to go through your social media, take out the trash, whatever the hell, you know, is, is coming up for you. Uh, and then get back, set a timer again for, you know, another 20 minutes or 30 minutes, even 15 minutes if, that, if you have less time. That way you focus much more on what you're doing and you have an intention when you set that timer is like, I want to get this particular thing done. And don't give yourself a monumental task. Give yourself a task that you can realistically finish in 10 or 15 minutes and give yourself twice the amount of time to do it. You know what I mean? Once again, let's not be overcomplicating this. Music making isn't meant to be overly complicated. What it, what it is is you need to understand how to do the things you need to understand to make your music there's no reason that you need to learn from someone doing a completely different style right now. There's no reason you need to listen to that stuff while you're making your song. What you want to do is just pull in your varying influences that are going to make up your, your style, right? And usually the best thing to do is pick one so that you understand that style first. So make a whole song just in that one thing before you start combining different styles. And then try another one, you incorporate the second influence, and that sort of thing. That way you're understanding each influence a little bit as you go. So another thing to do as well, especially when you feel like you're starting to waste time or getting overwhelmed, is ask yourself often, what is the easy way to get this result? What is the easiest way to get this result? Or ask yourself, what is the best way to cheat to make this easier for myself? Because cheating is not cheating. We all have a... Um, a concept of what cheating actually is. But the word cheating is just not allowing part of your creativity to come in. You're not allowing yourself to be influenced by a certain type of creativity. Some people say, well, I won't use loops. I got to make them all by myself. Well, that's a, just a limitation that you're giving yourself. And if eventually you want to do that, great. But if you're not at that point, there's no problem using loops. There's no problem using anything, you know? Don't worry about all that when you're asking yourself, what's the easy way to get this result, right? Because the one that finishes the most songs wins. That's, that's how this game is played. The game's not played, the one that spent the longest amount of time making the kick drum. That's not gonna get, get you very far and it's not gonna be very inspiring. And if no one hears what you're doing, you're not really putting anything out in the world that's beneficial. You know, you're just running yourself around in circles. Uh, there's no problem with understanding how to make these things, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, when, when I'm producing as well, you know, um, I might add a layer where I kind of use a synth to design, let's say a kick drum or something like that, but I'm always using samples almost, almost all the time. Or I have tools that I've created. Uh, not, you know, some of those tools are available in the producer's playground as well that I link to. Um, but those unlock if you become a full member. They're not available just for the $1. All right. So yeah, ask yourself a question, you know, what is the easy way to get this accomplished? And I think you'll find that you're, you'll stop your pattern of trying to make everything so complicated, right? Another thing too is you wanna make decisions with your music making quickly. Just, if you're, if you're choosing between A and B, just make a decision. 
You might be right, you might be wrong. Here's the thing, you're never gonna know. It doesn't really matter. And if it ends up going in the wrong direction, then you learn something. So the next time that decision comes up, you can make a quick decision that's even more educated than the last time you made a decision. Don't sit, sit back and try to weigh things out. Just intuitively pick one, you know? And if you really can't pick one, flip a coin and just go for that, all right? I think serendipity plays a big role in creativity. So if you can't make a decision, let serendipity make the decision for you by flipping a coin and just keep moving forward, all right? Another thing um, is don't worry so much about the idea that you have in your head. Use that as a starting point, but when you start finding yourself kind of beating yourself up to try to get this exact sort of sound or whatever, let that go and just allow your flow of creativity to kind of unfold, right? You could always check back with your reference track or what have you to kind of see if you're going too far off track, but just let yourself go. Let go of the original idea. Most of the time, you're not gonna get there anyway, and most of the time, you're gonna do something much more interesting by just letting that go. So. That's a really powerful one, and it'll, it'll make things much less complicated for you because now you don't need to do this, 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 and this, and this. You've got your basics set up from this original idea that maybe you had in your head or something from another song, and then you start building something new from it, right? Make decisions quickly, allow yourself to make mistakes, and don't try so hard to get everything that's in your head out. Get the basic idea and then understand that that's the only purpose of this idea that you had is to get you started and then let that influence you instead of what's in your head. Next, so that all this stuff kind of incorporates in your head and becomes less and less complicated for you, you should really try to sit down at least 15 minutes a day with your music. You know, if you don't have much time, 15 minutes, you can do 15 minutes. Everyone can do 15 minutes, right? It might seem inconvenient to do, but if your music really matters to you, you can do 15 minutes and do it as much as possible every day. And you're going to be repeating these habits and these things that seem hard right now, I guarantee after about a week or two of doing this daily, you're going to think, wow, that just got super easy. Why did that happen? And the reason it happened is because your brain never likes to do new things. But when it does something in repetition, it starts, it puts it back in your memory bank. And once it's in the memory bank, your brain doesn't think about it as something new. It thinks about it as something that is automatic. And once you get there, all these problems like kind of go away. All right. And then the, the last couple things is, although I don't recommend you join free forums and too many free groups, unless it's a really supportive atmosphere, uh, I do recommend that you try to find a like-minded community of people that have the same goals, that have similar struggles, or have gone through similar struggles, because it will keep you focused. You know, in fact, finding someone that, that can be like your accountability buddy, you both don't need to produce together or even have the same style of music, but you can both connect, you know, once or twice a week, make sure that the other person is like kicking ass, you know, that continuing to write, continuing to take their music forward and you can support each other in that and kind of kick each other's ass to keep yourself on that level. Doing it alone can be pretty isolating and it's really easy to fall off because letting yourself down doesn't hurt quite as much as letting someone else down. So it's really good to connect with people in a community and make a commitment to those people. And um, that commitment will be a lot stronger. Uh, and then the last thing that I would say is if you feel like you're at that level and you're ready to really invest and music, if music really is your passion, then you're gonna need to, to go to the next level in most cases, you could either take the 10 year path, you know, and I've gone down that path, um, or 
you can take a six month to one year path uh, with a mentor. Sure, it's gonna cost you money. You know, a time machine does cost a little bit of money, but when you're able to skip a decade worth of training and get that in six months to a year, think about how much you can gain from that. It's not about the money you're losing. You can make a lot more money by having this experience. And it's not really even about the money either. It's about the satisfaction of doing something that you love and, and that flowing through your system. You know, when you get to that place where you feel really comfortable with uh, your creativity, it just puts your whole sense of self in another place. So you might consider doing that if you really feel that music needs to be a bigger part of your life. It's worth the investment. I just personally invested $3,500. It's the most I've ever in invested in a coach. It's not a music coach, but it's kind of more a business and life coach. And to be honest, I didn't really have that money to spend. But the moment I did it, my whole brain shifted. And the training I'm getting is already shifting my body. And I, I just know for a fact that in the next three to six months, it's gonna be completely transformative to me. And the expense is gonna seem like nothing to me later on. Right now it's scary. Right now going through this is scary because I'm evolving past that point where I normally say no to things, right? But I've never regretted investing in myself. It's got me to this place where I am now, you know what I mean? And I'm not in a perfect place. I'm gonna continue, you know, after I go to this place, I'll either stay with these coaches and, and probably spend more money with them and get to a higher level or find other coaches who like really improve different areas of, of my life so that I can be there for you guys, whether it's free or paid, I wanna be more available to you guys. I don't want to feel like I need anything from you guys, you know what I mean? I wanna feel like I'm free to give and whether you guys want to take it further with me or not, it doesn't really matter so much to me anymore. You know what I mean? The right people are gonna find it and you know the people where they're not connected, that's totally fine. So I, I just wanted to talk about that because I know with a lot of you, making music and investing in yourself are like two completely separate things and I, I think that you need to bring those together in some way. Certainly the first investment is your emotion and your time, you know, but as you get more and more committed, you may find that you want to take that time machine ride to get someone else's experience. You're trading your money for someone else's experience. You know, my goal is to help you guys and at least give you a starting point of finding what you need to improve on. You know what I mean? So yeah, we're all in this together, this whole music game. We're all in it together. You know, and I'm here to, to help you guys quite a bit. And my goal is always to give as much uh, value as I can. And answering your questions uh, can be very helpful. I know that. I wish I had someone answering my questions as they came earlier in my life, which is why now I invest more in coaches and stuff like that, because I realize every time I do that, it like jumps my life way further than I thought. Plus, I don't even know if I would get there because sometimes it takes a coach to find my blind spots, things that I don't know that I don't know, right? So it's possible that I would have never gotten to some of the places that I'm at now without someone else seeing me from the outside. That is it, guys. Back to the original subject. Music making does not need to be complicated. Feel free to go back uh, as many times as you like. You know, this is free for you guys to, to watch as many times as you like. Please, um, if you get something out of this, share it with a friend, you know? Maybe they, they can uh, find some use with this as well. You know, I, I love to have this kind of content shared. And feel free to ask me any questions. You can hit me up privately as well. Uh, if you'd like to do a one-on-one -on -one session, if you want to talk directly with me, you can go to musicsoftwaretraining.com 
forward slash application and just fill out a questionnaire and I'll respond to you usually within 48 to 72 hours and we can set up a time where we can chat for free, okay? Usually about 30 minute chat and then I can see how I could best help you or if I can help you, you know what I mean? There's, there's really no pressure at all. So there you have it guys, have a fantastic one and I'll speak to you guys soon, bye.